0: All right. So just so you know, I'm a little uh, under the weather. So I'm going to do a Michael Jordan flu game tonight. If anyone knows what that is, if not, look it up, Google it. You need to be cultured, people. Um, so um, being sick, I've been, my son was sick also. We, we've been binging superhero movies. And so one of the superhero movies we watched was The Amazing Spider-Man. And it got me thinking about how complicated relationships can be. You know, anyone see almost every Spider-Man movie? It it, just—I love Spider. Any Spider-Man fans in here? Okay, a few. But on every single one, they just take you on this roller coaster. Is he gonna tell her? Is he not gonna tell her? Can they be together? Is it? it, And then, and then I don't want to ruin some spoilers for you, but but man, it just takes you on this ride. And it just was perfect for this. It's complicated relationships are complicated and uh, there's so many things that are just so awkward about relationships and they're complicated even the guy who wrote Proverbs put it this way it's on the top of your handout we're gonna skip that discussion But he said it this way, he said, there are three things that are too amazing for me, four that I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a woman. It's just like mind blowing. The way a man acts around a young woman is mind blowing. And think about it, when I first started flirting with my wife, one thing we did to get, I've been married 10 years now, so I know what I'm talking about here. But when we started noticing each other, we did something really dumb, okay? We dumped soda on each other, like just randomly when we were like to get each other's attention. And so one time we were like awkwardly dumping soda on each other and then putting our arms around each other. It was just like, weird, why? Why are you doing that? That's just weird. But it worked for us, okay? So it's complicated, okay? Who you date, why you date and how you date. Those are all those are some of the most important decisions you're going to make when you're in college and honestly one of the biggest tests of your life right now is your status or lack thereof, okay? Your relationship status and how you are handling that is one of your biggest tests before God. And so I I get a few minutes to kind of plead with you honor God with how your whatever your status may be right now. Your What your status is, is a test right right now before God. So I'm going to jump in in prayer, ask him to help me. And then I got, as you notice this in on the handout, I have a lot to say, so I'm going to blast to it. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for the wisdom, things that I've learned mostly by error, trial and error. And I pray that you would give me the grace and and the strength to speak. Um, even through this nasally voice, Lord, that your, your word would be proclaimed in Jesus' name. Amen. So my first thing, my first point for you is God is more than enough for your every need when we talk about relationships, um, a lot of people, for lack of a better word, are needy, okay? They are desperate for a relationship. But really, I just want to proclaim to you first and foremost, God's love is more than enough for all you'll you'll ever need. In your life groups this last week, you studied Ephesians 3, and I'm just going to read it over with you, this, this passage. It says, when I think of all this... I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love, keeping you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ that is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians three fourteen through 21. This is a powerful passage, and, and I, I just challenge you to study this, memorize this. This is actually something I pray for you guys, and I, pr- I pray, actually, I started praying for my wife when I started dating her, just that, that she would love Christ way more than me. If you only knew, if you only knew how much God loved you, if you only knew the depth of God's love for you, you wouldn't be so desperate for a significant other. The, the love of Christ, it says, "If this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, I go before the Father for you, so you know how long, how deep, how wide Christ's love is for you. And then everything else will, be, will take care of itself. So if you only knew how much Christ loved you right now, if you really grasp that, you wouldn't be so needy. You wouldn't need anything else. And you know what's funny? The most attractive people are those that are most filled up by God. The most attractive people around, Christians around, are those that, that are content in Christ, that have that love relationship with God. They're not always searching for the one. They're, 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 look, they're content. The joy and contentment doesn't come from your relationship status. It comes from the status of your relationship with Jesus. Okay, Jesus is the, the only thing that's going to give you joy and contentment in life. So I remember being a freshman, and I was a lovesick puppy, just about any girl that was somewhat cute I was attracted to. And uh, there, was one, there was one that I was just, I was really, um, really liked. And I prayed, I even asked God, give me that one. And uh, I thank God for unanswered prayers. I think there's a country song for that. But um, I started to journal. Um, I started to pray for my future wife. I learned, first of all, I learned to put Jesus first in my life. Um, I, I started overcoming my habit, my addiction to lust. I started overcoming that. I started to see God use me in the lives of other guys. And so uh, bottom, bottom line, I started putting Jesus first. And then my sophomore year, God brought me to my now wife of 10 years, and thank God it wasn't this other girl, okay? It was now my wife. And I'd love to tell you that it was happily ever after after that. We, st- we were mad. We were madly in love. We told each other, like, man, I knew on our first date, I looked across the table, we were eating some steak and stuff, and I I knew, I knew that this was the woman for me, okay? And so, but with that, I wish I could tell you it was happily ever after from there, but man, we could have made a little mini-series drama, like a Hallmark movie about it or something, Um, because we didn't always put Christ first. Even as Christians, even as people seeking to put Jesus first, we struggled to put our relationship in front of Christ. And it's, it's easy to start think, believing that this relationship can only do what Christ can do for you. Your significant or uh, other is a poor savior. Our, our world and the media will constantly barrage and tell you love is all you need. Love is what will complete you. Find the person that completes you. It love will fill you, you up. But bottom line, that's a lie. Christ is the only one that will complete you. Christ is the only one that will fill you up. There's so much pressure in this world to find that one. And this person, that God, if God puts you in someone's life, like Christy, my wife, she, she is not my savior, okay? She is my wife, someone that I need to serve, uh, I need to love. Uh, one of my mentors actually put it this way. People that look to their significant other to get their needs met are like, and if if two people are doing that in the same relationship, it's like two ticks with no dog, okay? It just sucks, okay? Two ticks with no dog. (laughs) Jeremiah 2.13, it says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. Jeremiah 2.13. Don't make this mistake. Don't go to a broken cistern. There should be a no in that, in there. There's a typo. Cisterns that, oh, that cannot hold water. Yeah, that, actually, it's not a typo. Um, it's easy to go to a relationship to get your needs met. But the biblical word, I want you to write this word down. It's, it's idolatry. It's, it's, pu- it's an idol. It's worshiping a false god. When you go to someone besides God to get your needs met, you are committing idolatry. You are worshiping a false God. Even the best spouse in the world is a lousy savior. 1 John 5, 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Could it be that God has not led you to someone to someone to someone to be with? Maybe God has not led you to someone because you haven't settled this ish, issue yet. Some of you are single. I'm not going to put guilt on you, but some of us—the reason I didn't get maybe I, for many reasons—I'm so glad I didn't get that first prayer answered. But I think some maybe God was waiting for me to put Him first before he was going to get me into the relationship I needed to have. Matthew six thirty three, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I've been living this verse for about 15 years or more, actually now. I've said that for a while. But, um, and I've never seen it fail. I've just seen God provide over and over and over again. So make the, the person you go to fulfill your needs, make it God. A suggested resource, a book, if you're one of those nerds that likes to read extra books like me, is The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. I definitely recommend that book. The next thing I'd encourage you with is leverage your single years to pursue Christ and his mission with reckless abandon. That's a mouthful. Leverage your single years to pursue Christ and his mission with reckless abandon. So how many of you are single? Okay, guys, look around. This is the moment. Okay. Um, What if it was not God's will for you to date right now? What if? Are you cool with that? Are you cool with that right now? If, if, if you're single, you have an unprecedented opportunity to pursue Christ. You can go all out in a reckless pursuit of Jesus. Contrary to popular belief, being single is not a disease to be cured, okay? Don't worry, it's okay. Jesus was single. We follow a single Savior, okay? And okay, he's a little different because, yeah, he's Jesus. Um, And then we have John the Baptist. John the Baptist was single, I think partially because of his wardrobe choices, but, you know, Um, Nehemiah, the Apostle Paul was single. He wrote about half the New Testament. Some of the greatest missionaries, the greatest people in church history have been single, that God's used. You might want, I want to encourage you to study this passage, 1 Corinthians 7, 25-40. It's on your handout, but this is just a chunk of that passage. If you're single, study 1 Corinthians 7. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. Those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. Let me tell you, my wife is low maintenance. Praise God for that, okay? (laughs) Praise God. But I have a wife, and I have two beautiful children. And they, as a unit, are high maintenance, okay? They just, it just is. It's just, by definition, marriage is high maintenance. You, when you make that commitment, you say, I do, you are committing to do a lot of work to make this thing work. Um, you need to plan, you need to coordinate your schedules. There's so much. Now don't get me wrong, I love my wife, I love my kids. When I was typing this up, I just got a pit in my stomach even mentioning how much I love my kids and how beautiful our marriage is. But the truth is, I have to do less ministry and I have to fight for my time alone with the Lord because I'm married, because I have kids, because I have a family. And that's, that's just a reality of life. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying in this passage. He's not saying one is better than the other or one, anything like that. He's saying this is a reality that you have to live with. Um, you have to settle this issue. Are you going to pursue Christ? Are you going to use your single years to pursue Jesus or just pursue a mate? Okay, God wants you to be the love of your life. God wants to be the love of your lives. He wants to be an all-consuming passion for you. He wants to be your obsession. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. As a single person, you can stay up late hanging out with people you're trying to share the gospel with. As a single person, you can wake up, you can spend just a couple hours in the middle of the day just praying, walking around this beautiful campus, praying to God. As a single per- person, you could take a year and just go to an unreached people group and help plant a church in an unreached people group. As a, like, we have a friend that's doing that right now, just graduated from Challenge. As a single person, you have so many opportunities. Singleness is a stewardship. And it is amazing opportunity in a, in a weird way. Don't get me wrong. I kind of envy you. Okay. Don't, don't think I don't like my wife. Um, cause I do. Um, but man, you have such an opportunity. This is an unprecedented opportunity in your life. Not all opportunities are created equal. And so now, between now and when you are dating or when you are engaged or when you're married, use this, this time to become the person that God is calling you to be. Romans twelve eleven says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Singleness is not an obstacle to overcome in life. It's an opportunity to embrace. I'd encourage you to study 1 Corinthians 7. One of the worst things you can do during this season of your life is to rush into the first person that has a pulse and might say they're a Christian. Just oh yeah, they're they're cute, they have a pulse. Okay, I'll date them. You know, don't do that. Okay, be picky. It pays to be picky. Trust me. I would rather I would rather be with the right person uh, for for sixty years, for forty years. I'd rather be with the right person for forty years than the wrong person for sixty years. OK, because this besides whether you're going to follow Jesus or not, the kind of person you date and the kind of person you marry is the most important decision because you are sinking your life up with that person. And uh, newsflash, you're going to marry someone that you date. OK, so so unfortunately, maybe no. Uh-uh. So choose wisely, because I would much rather spend 60 years, spend 40 years with the, with the right person than 60 years with the wrong person. And so the best way to find the right person is to become the right person. The best way to find the right person is to become the right person. Become the kind of person you are attracted to, would be attracted to. Okay, that's a mouthful. Become the kind of person you are attracted to, would be attracted to you. So here's a resource on using your singleness, it's not about dating, but it's a suggested resource, Radical by David Platt. Radical by David Platt, it's a great book. The next uh, point on your handout is understand the beauty of the biblical purpose of marriage. You need to really get a big picture. Marriage is not about you. Okay? At the end of the day, it's not about you two, it's about Christ and glorifying him. We're going to read this Ephesians 5:25 to 33. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. "'Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. "'And to present her to himself as a radiant church "'without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, "'but holy and blameless. "'In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives "'as their own bodies. "'He who loves his wife loves himself. "'Above all, no one ever hated their own body, "'but they fed and cared for their body, "'just as Christ does the church.'" For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, and I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Biblical marriage is a beautiful thing. I'm so glad I married Christy 10 years ago. I don't want you to hear the first part of my talk and to think that marriage is not something that honors God and glorifies God or something you want in your life. Okay. Most people are going to want it. Um, Biblical marriage is a picture of how Christ loves the church. Jesus loved the church so much that he laid down his life for the church. He died on the cross in our place for our sins. In a biblical husband, your role is to lay down your your life for your wife. Your job is to lead her to live a life that's honoring to God. I love verse 25 through 27. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word, And to present herself to her himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. As a husband, you have a responsibility before God to help your wife grow in holiness. And before God, you as a wife have a responsibility to encourage your husband towards holiness, meaning becoming more and more like Jesus. Because God is actually more concerned in marriage with your holiness than your happiness. Because God uses two sinners, you put two sinners in a relationship where they're stuck in the same house for life and it, there's friction, that's going to happen. Okay. There's, there's, there's tension, but God uses that. I call it the advanced sanctification program where God uses that, that relationship to, to stretch you and to mold you. And I can tell you God has used Christie in so many ways to make me a better man than I am. And, and we are pursuing Christ together, One thing you want is you want to be running towards Christ as fast as you possibly can and not looking too much to the side. And then you want to kind of glance around saying, who's running with me? And I noticed Christy, she's running towards Christ. She had a Bible study of about 30 girls in the dorms that she was leading at the time. And I'm like, hey, you want to run with me? And we're like, yeah, let's go. And it's a little slower, but we got it, you know. (laughs) That's a picture of a Christ-centered marriage. You want to be pursuing Jesus. You want to be growing together. It's a beautiful picture. I wish I had time to do it justice for you guys and explain more of Ephesians 5. Study that. Even as a single person, study Ephesians 5 and get a vision for what God, if you're going to step into marriage or dating, man, that's a heavy thing that you're stepping into. Uh, but then I came across this other thing. I had this thought. Um, I heard someone say this. The most loving thing you can do for your spouse is not to put them first. The most loving thing you can do for your spouse is to put Christ first. 1 Corinthians 7, 29. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now, now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Whoa, that's heavy. And what he's saying, there's a, there's a temptation where, People, even in marriage, you have a temptation to put your marriage first and to be very inward focused. And this is something that Christy and I, honestly, we struggled with the first year of our marriage. We, we said, well, it's our first year and we're just going to hunker down and we're going to focus on us. And that was one, some of the most rough times in our marriage. But when we came and we started the ministry, we were outward focused and God blessed us. The more that we're focused on Christ and his mission, the more God has blessed our marriage. If anyone comes to me, Jesus said, and does not hate father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, 26. Man, wife? Hate? Wife? Settle down, Jesus. I mean, seriously. Like, what is Jesus saying? I, I, don't take me wrong. Okay. What is he saying? He's saying, compared to your love for me, Jesus said, your commitment to me. You should hate your, your love for me should make your closest relationships on earth look like hate. You should love Christ so much that it looks like you hate your wife. Dude, just, and, and you know what, what I found is my wife knows that Christy knows that I love Jesus way more than her. And there's a security in that that she has that, that just makes our, our marriage is on such a solid foundation. She, she knows she's number two in my life, okay? Christ is first. And, and, there's a, and I know that about her, is that at the end of the day, she's going to follow Christ. And, but we can do that together. It's something mysterious and beautiful about marriage, is when you put Christ first, it makes everything else work so much better. Another suggested resource is You and Me Forever by Francis Chan. Francis and Lisa Chan. I'd encourage you guys to read that. Even as a single person, it'll give you a vision for biblical marriage. Next thing is date in a way that honors God and the other person. That honors God and the other person. I ran cross country in high school, unfortunately. And uh, it was, sorry, (laughs) I just don't like it. I don't understand the concept that these people call these things fun runs. It just doesn't, let's go to the fun run. No, no, thank you. So somehow I did it. And I remember I was in the state meet, and so I was going to win state for us. We actually got third in state, so that was pretty good, but I wanted to win. So what I did, is classic, I sprinted out. I was winning. I was like with the top five guys out of these hundred guys for about half a mile. Okay. And then I died, you know, I hit the wall, the monkey jumped on my back, whatever you want to call it. I was just, I died. I literally like fell over and almost passed out at the finish line and our team got third, not first. Um, and so what I encourage you in dating, you want to do the same thing. You don't want to do that. Actually, you want to pace yourself. That's pacing this idea of, of if you are a sophomore and you have three years where you could logically marry this person. You might not want to say, I love you and like propose and all that kind of stuff right now. You might want to wait until later. Um, if Proverbs 14, 16 says, the wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with, rec- with great confidence. So the first thing you want to pace yourself in is emotionally. You want to pace yourself emotionally. Um, above all, guard all else. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. When Christy and I started dating again, I, I remember back to our first date. It's so romantic, but I made a mistake in early in our first month of dating. I told her all my feelings. I said, "I love you. We're destined to be together, baby, baby, baby." You know, it was like, okay, baby. <laughs> I remember getting so, I remember it being so bad. We started having, within the first couple months of dating, we started having married people problems, okay? I would get jealous. She was leading a Bible Bible study with some other guys in the dorm, and she would walk by and I'd hear her beautiful laugh, and I would get so jealous. She's hanging out with other guys, and it was just, what? Okay, dating is not a mini marriage, okay? Dating is dating. So you want to, it's wise to pace yourself emotionally and not say things like I love you or we're destined to be together too soon, okay? The next thing you want to do is pace yourself physically. Uh, I'd encourage you to do a study on sexual immorality. The word in the Bible, sexual immorality, it actually means fornication, which is any sexual act outside of marriage, and that is clearly forbidden in scripture. Sex is not just physical. Sex is a spiritual thing that God preordained for you to experience with one person for your life. And Ephesians 5.3 says this, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. So how far is too far? More than not even a hint, okay? Man, that's heavy. That's, that's a hard one. Christy and I would actually quote this verse to each other when we were feeling the heat, if you will. It was like, killed the mood for sure, Okay. Whoever just noticed it first was like Ephesians 5 3, quote the verse and we were good, okay? Sorry, you know. First Timothy 5 2, it says, Treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. How many of you guys have sisters in here? Okay. How would you like the guy dating your sister to treat her? Treat her right, right? Okay, so do that. Just do that. If you don't feel comfortable with that. You know, if you wouldn't feel comfortable with another guy doing that with your sister, don't do that with a girl you're dating. It's that simple. You can live, there's two ways you can live. You can live on the line of excellence where you are trying this biblical standard, absolute purity. You are trying for not even a hint of sexual immorality and you might mess up a little bit and you dip, okay? And you're, you're a little bit, you're, it's still sin, but it doesn't create as much damage in your life. Or you could live on the get by line, this line where you're just, well, we're not having sex. Okay. Or whatever. And you have a weak moment and you slip. Then that's where more damage can be created. I want to encourage you in every area of your life and your walk with God, live by the line of excellence, not the get by line. Live according to God's standard, which is absolute purity, which is not even a hit. And let me tell you, that is the best way to live. Living 100% on fire for God is the only way to live because you have that joy, you have that peace, you have that power in your life. It's more fun. It's way more fun to live a pure and holy life before God than it is to mess around with things. So God's command for purity is not to ruin your fun, but to maximize it. You want your spouse someday, you want a spouse someday that you, you're confident that he or she can control their sexual desires. So as you're dating, you want to practice that. So, so that's something you want. It's important to make practical boundaries in that, in your life. Now, I know a lot of us, myself including, have, has made mistakes in this area. And the truth of the, of the Bible is that Jesus died on the cross to pay for every mistake. And I love this passage, Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. If you are in Christ, God has forgiven every single mistake you've ever made. And it's as if you've never done it. He washes you completely clean. And for me, that is good news. So I can, I can love my wife. I can live my life in a way that's just free and clean and pure before him. And I, I can walk forward in faith. Next thing is you want to pace yourself with time. The amount of time you spend together. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, Ephesians 5, 15. Another mistake Christy and I made was we spent way too much time together. It was kind of back to the mini marriage syndrome. We would hang out, we would do our stuff, and we would hang out about from like 11 to 1 every night in the study lounge. And we would just chill, snuggle. I love you, baby. You know, it was just like, and we were just, it wasn't like all bad, but it was just like we were wasting a lot of time just being self-focused. And we weren't really, I ended up, one of the guys on my hall, I was trying to do ministry to to freshmen, sat me down and was like, hey, bro, like, I'm glad you guys are head over in heels and I like it. You know, that's great. You know, you know, it's cute. Um, But man, you, the guys on the hall don't really know you that well. The guys you're trying to share the gospel, they don't know you that well. And and we we're here to have a ministry to them. And it was like a good wake-up call for me, is that you can be you can have a dating relationship and have a ministry and have a vibrant walk with God and get good grades. You can do all of that because you just have to learn to set boundaries, even practical boundaries, by like how often you text, how often you spend time together. So what I did is I came back to the drawing board. And I made some goals, and I made some very specific goals about how often we were going to hang out and just what we were going to do. And that saved our relationship, honestly. And it saved my ministry and my walk with God while I was in college. I've seen too many Christians get pulled away from good growth in the Christ and and good ministry opportunities just because of even a good relationship. Last week, Pastor Gary talked about the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things can come in and choke the word. And so your relationship can be another thing that kind of chokes God's word in your life. Um, so a suggested resource for you is Dating Without Disaster by none other than Cody and Brittany Bryan. It's on the Challenge podcast. So we, did you know we have a podcast? So you can get on there and you can check it out. And I, it was awesome because I met with Cody from the very beginning um, before he even asked Brittany out. And I told him some of this stuff, some of the mistakes I made. And they did a great job throughout their three years or so of dating where they paced themselves in all these areas. And they weren't... Cody was not whipped, okay, and Brittany wasn't trying to whip him, you know, it was, it was good, it was a healthy relationship, and now they're a good example to all y'all folks, and, and she's, they're a good example of a biblical marriage to, to those of us, um, those, uh, even some of our new staff that are coming in, and shout out to Sarah and Josh, where you at, yeah, yeah. woohoo, yeah. so, um, so personally, I've seen, I've seen God's faithfulness despite my failures in these things that I've just talked to you about. And I've seen God's faithfulness in others' obedience, and even my own obedience over time. Is It's been up and down, just like a Spider-Man movie, man. My My commitment. But I've seen God's faithfulness. And 10 years later, Man, I wouldn't trade anything for what I have with Christy, my wife, and, and with this, this beauty that we have in our relationship. And she still makes me blush. It's awesome. Um, and it's, it's just, I, I love, and my, my kids, I have a seven-year-old Owen, three-year-old Evelyn, and I cannot wait to do 60 more years with, with my, my wife of 10 years. And I just, uh, let me just encourage you, don't doubt God. Don't hold back from God's plan. Because he has something for you that is so good. God is faithful, and he loves you so much. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Father, thank you so much for your grace, for your faithfulness for how you've shown yourself to be real in my life, how you've blessed my marriage with Christy and how you've, you've led us despite our failures, but we've kept clinging to you. I pray that every person in here would honor you first above all and honor you with this huge area in their life. They would make a decision right now that they are going to honor you with their relationships. They would put a stake in the ground saying they're going to follow you no matter what.